Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast, uh, where we tell tomorrow's stories today. Uh, I am blessed to be joined by, can I call you little homie? We haven't established our friendship. Can, are you considered a little homie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're joined by the little homie, Pascal. Pascal, how are you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. I always say that just because I like how it sounds. <laughs> but not to go with blessed and highly favored uh new listeners make sure y'all follow the podcast at banquet hall pod uh make sure you like subscribe tell your homies to tune in for this lovely episode that we have uh we're going to get into a lot about poetry about the mystery that is pascal we're going to talk about young gifted and black we're gonna have a good time today uh but first things first before we get into the formal questions of the podcast have a random icebreaker question to ask Pascal. Put her on the spot. She has no idea what question I'm about to ask. Her heart is racing, trying to think of what question I could have possibly come up with. Sweat dripping down her brow. And the question is, what is your favorite scent and why? <laughs> oh, easy. Anything cocoa butter. I actually got my mm. right here. I bought this at Black Expression. Anything cocoa butter is definitely my favorite scent. It's just so... I don't know. It's just like a warm hug. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. I, I just got really passionate about that. But yes, <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, you don't have to apologize. Uh, cocoa butter, that's a good scent. Like, I feel like that's one of those like trademark nostalgic scents from my childhood, too. Like, I remember like cocoa butter that I had that I'll put on my skin. I'm like, dang, this, this smells good. <laughs> right. And, and that's you didn't got to wear perfume or nothing. Like, you just smell good just because you got the lotion on. Like, that's it. It's it's the best. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm I feel like I'm like I'm promoting it. Cocoa butter. It's time to hire me. It's time to hire me, Palmers. Okay. Hey, it is time to hire. Where did you get that cocoa butter from, though? I'm sure you can plug them. I actually forgot his name. Wait, I think I think he's also a performer. I forgot his name, though. I always see him. Is it like Al or something? I don't know. I got this because they were like, I think Gina was hosting. She was like, oh, I got me some Cocoa Dream Butter. I said, Cocoa Dream Butter. I need to go find out because that sounds amazing. And then it actually is amazing. It's like, it feels like sugar and then it melts Mm. like honey. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, that's a good scent. Um, I'm, you made me maybe want to reconsider what my favorite scent is because I always say lavender, but cocoa butter is such a really good scent. I'm like, dang, like, ain't nothing better than smelling some cocoa butter on your skin. True, true. So you got me thinking about scents this Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's all it's about. <laughs> that is all it is about for sure. I also, whenever I think about scents, I think back to like my prior life when I was one of those guys that needed the manly sense like the sense of like nature <laughs> like man says always got these real hard or fresh like and it's like nah like i could get some lavender i could get some cocoa butter like i could smell good like a little more oh, fragrant yeah. oh yeah because the thing is like when somebody walks by and they have the walk past air that is like you like oh my gosh it's real like that's when i feel most primal because i'm like i'm really just a human and a scent just i'm like uh who is that? Because it's really like, you can smell like anything. If it smells good, then you're good. You ain't got to smell like musk or nature, especially not Axe. Especially not that. <laughs> you, Sorry, you mean Axe. you're not rocking with the Axe chocolate scent? Honestly, I never smelled it. 
oh consider yourself blessed like because when <laughs> I tell you like late 2000s early 2010s everybody thought the axe body spray with the chocolate or I think they had like a they had like a phoenix scent and like what does phoenix even smell like and you just what killed me like I kid you not never go in the men's locker room at a high school because it'll be after gym class and people sweaty as hell no shower they just spray the axe body spray and think they good I'm like that is not Ooh. that is not the intent of a body spray oh <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, you don't got to worry about me going to no high school men's locker room. That actually sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> that is, that's nightmare fuel. Tales from the nightmare fuel. Um, but thank you for partaking in my quick little icebreaker. It's kind of also a shameless plug because before we started recording, we were talking about the candle that you got from Black Expression from my cousin who does Stash Candle Co. I actually have a few of the candles here for the video listeners. And the Banco Hall has a giveaway that's probably starting when this episode drops. So uh, if y'all haven't tapped in with the IG page, go ahead and head on over to IG so you can win a Stash Candle. Never know what she, who might win. Pascal could win it all, though, and it would just be, I don't know. That's what I'm hoping for, because I, I really love my candle. And uh, <laughs> if I could get more for free, like, yeah, yeah, that would be dope. So shout out to Stash Candle Co. sponsoring this episode informally. Family always sponsor an episode because family, they sponsor with love. <laughs> Amen. I like that. <laughs> But Pascal, uh, the question I usually start all of these podcasts with, where are you from and how did that shape who you have become and who you are in the process of becoming? Ooh. So I'm from San Diego and I haven't made it very far out. Like I'm saying I've never left. No, I left this state once and it was literally just to go to Arizona to see Joe to see <laughs> perform. <laughs> um, so I've been here all my life. I have pretty much nothing to compare it to. And I would say I actually just recently, because I used to be like ashamed of it low key, like coming from San Diego. Mm. I was like, it's so boring. Like, what is San Diego culture? The beach? Like, and I'm not really at the beach like that. So I was like, never really felt like, oh, this is like, this is home. Like, this is my city. I rep my city. Like, I never felt like that. So I I recently just started being like, okay, I like San Diego, actually. Like, because I started looking around and I'd be like, what other cities really look this beautiful all the time? We're like in November and it looks like summer for other states. So I'm like, okay, this is actually kind of dope. But I would say how it shaped me, I don't know. I think definitely over here we have a lot more diversity. And with that diversity, I would say there's just... I don't know, like I said before about the culture, for so much diversity, there's there's a lot of culture that I think is lacking in general. Mm. Like I feel like I missed a lot of like cultural experiences just with myself or just with other cultures too. I'm like, I don't really see a lot of it because I think it's a bunch of people that that are not from here. Like now that I'm uh, experiencing the world for myself, when you talk to people, you ask them where they're from, a lot of them aren't from here. And yeah. so it's like a whole new world. And I'm like, oh, okay. I feel like I'm the only native one in a lot of the areas that I show up. And I'm like, okay, well, I literally know nothing outside of this. Um, but I will say it, hmm, growing up here has, I feel like I definitely have a California attitude. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm chill, you know, 
I go to the beach sometimes. <laughs> so not, I'm like not the hang ten sometimes. <laughs> you know, I'm like I can shock abroad and whatnot. So uh <laughs> but it's nice to have uh grown up around so many different kinds of people because it's not a shock at all. Whereas uh, maybe other people it is kind of a shock and more like homogenous societies. Mm. Here it's it's everybody. In every space I enter, there's pretty much everybody's a different color, everybody's a different culture, everybody's a different background. And I love it because it's normal. And I'm like, I don't know what it would be like if that wasn't normal for me. Uh, so that was cool, yeah. No, I definitely feel you on that because I think especially going to college uh, at UCSD, I met so many different people that were from places that were much less diverse than Southern California. And some of my friends be like, yeah, I was talking to my classmate and I was the first black person they've ever spoken to. I was like, what? <laughs> there you go. Cross that one off the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, you, like, I can't imagine never having spoken to like another black person. Like, yeah. what is that experience like? And then of course, uh, the media portrays black people in all types of ways and amplifies certain parts of black culture to where all of their questions about blackness were just like stereotypes that they've heard. And it's like, people really grow up in places, like you said, that are much more homogenous. And San Diego definitely has like people from all different walks of life. And I think slowly but surely the San Diegans are getting a little bit more San Diego pride. Like, I feel like some people are starting to say I'm from San Diego with their chest a little more. But I feel like when I first got down here, it was a lot more like, oh, like I'm from San Diego, but I don't really tell nobody. Like, like yeah, I'll be here, I'll be around. Uh, but that's why I like asking this question because I've had like several people from San Diego on a podcast. Lou Salem had a lot of San Diego pride when he was on the episode. So you got to rep your city strong and proud. Hey, Dago. Okay. I'm I'm owning it. <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I have like a little bit of shame about it because my family does not originally come from San Diego. Like my grandparents are from the South and then my dad would live between both parents. So my grandma's from Louisiana. She came out here when her brother joined the military. But I definitely feel like from my family, I'm like a Southern girl in a lot of ways, but I'm just in a San Diego life. And I'm like, I wonder how different my experience would be if I was like in Louisiana, because I want to experience that so badly. I don't know. It just seems so different. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get you out of California to see more of the world. Where are some other places that you want to see besides like Louisiana? Um, you know, I have a lot of good dresses that would look good, like in the Maldives, in Cancun. You know, I have some good vacation fits. But honestly, where would I feel in the States? New York. Why not? Let's just hit the other side of the map. You know, I know geography. Too. I could definitely see you in New York. She <laughs> said, so you know, geography too. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Not me being a New Yorker. Okay. I see you accent. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I feel like you give New York Fashion Week vibes. Okay. I could do that. I can, I can, run, I can run on the runway. <laughs> I got my thing. Most definitely. Uh, before we started recording and we were talking about how I thought you were born in Britain. Right. And actually, you're not wrong. <laughs> I actually was. And I've actually, I, 
I'm, I've gotten quite intimate about it and professed, you know, my nationality um, in a poem. And I haven't forgotten it since because I'm, I usually hide it. Like, like even coming on here, the fact that I didn't mention it, I think it says a lot, but you've, you've gotten me out of my shell. Yes, this is where I'm from. British pride. <laughs> For those of y'all who have been to Black Expression, y'all know that sometimes the accent comes out. Uh, we we thought about recording this podcast with accents the entire time. I don't know what happened to that idea. Um, I don't know either. I think we were just doing our accents because this is our <laughs> our natural way of speaking. Isn't that funny? It is pretty funny. Um, but no, I'm, I I can't do that accent the full episode. <laughs> um but yeah louisiana new york i still haven't been to louisiana i've been to a lot of places but louisiana is definitely on my bucket list because everyone i speak well i speak to they say that the best food they've ever had comes from new orleans and so i need to check it out for myself currently for me the best food i've had came out of atlanta so i'm looking forward to trying some food from new orleans i was thinking about like when i was trying to find hbcus i wanted to transfer to I was thinking about going to Grambling and my dad was like, if you go there and you come back, you're going to be like 600 pounds. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> he <laughs> said that as a warning. You took it as like a pride statement. Oh, yeah. Everything that he thinks is bad. I'm like, yes, this is great, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, you're hilarious. Uh, well, you mentioned transferring an HBCU. So why don't we actually start our conversation by talking about like your educational background, where you're trying to go. Uh, so you're currently a community college student, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> 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 uh, tell us a little bit about like, what are you currently studying? What are your educational aspirations? If you have an idea of what you want to do with like what you're planning on studying. Um. Yeah, so Honestly, I joined community college because I really wanted something to do. I didn't really go in with any plan because I just thought, well, the Lord will lead me wherever he needs me. And I still don't really have a plan uh, for myself. But right now, I'm currently just getting my general ed out the way so that I can have what I need to transfer to where I really want to go, which is Feldman. Um, and... It has been like an interesting experience, definitely at this specific school. Just, I, I spent a lot of the time observing because that's just the the way I see life. I'm very just observant and analytical. And it's, it's, it's an interesting experience as compared to what I've heard other community college, colleges to be like. And uh, so far it's been very, it's been very, uh, eye-opening as as many other college experiences are for other people it's like you're becoming your own you're finding out what you can do and mm -hmm. having fun with it and just learning to be more independent and sure of yourself and so I think honestly I get more out of the out of that of the experience than the actual educational part if I'm being honest um but hey that's life you know? Hey, that is life. And I used to work in college admissions at UCSD. And when I would talk to students who were talking more about like 
the educational aspect of college, I will always talk to them also about their aspirations outside of the classroom, just because like college is such a holistic experience as you're currently experiencing as many have experienced. It's not just the classes you're taking, it's the conversations you're having, the people that you're meeting, uh, the clubs and organizations that you're joining and creating. There's so much that goes into being a college student that extends way beyond the classroom. And quite frankly, I think that we're shaped way more by what happens outside of the classroom like yeah you learn a lot inside the classroom and you have these classes but you're crafting who you are outside of those hours in the lecture hall or whatever it might be I agree and I think like it kind of goes hand in hand like the stuff that I learn in classes um the tidbits of things that really stick out to me are mostly just so that I can apply it to what I'm doing outside <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of just <laughs> Uh, learning just to learn which I love to learn but it's I think I'm definitely more passionate about everything else because it's been a lot recently that I've gotten just from attending Cuyamaca that has you know shaped me and added on to me um but it is all worthy and you know sometimes I have to remind myself like Pascal yes you're still a student and I'm like oh yeah I like actually have to do this (laughs) wow (laughs) forgot (laughs) yeah it's I think especially as someone who's a leader someone who is active in the community it's very easy to not think about that student component because you're doing something that matters so much more in the grand scheme of your life and your ancestral life and the people that you love and the people you care about I've had a few people that I was in our Black Student Union at UCSD with as guests on the podcast. And we would talk about times where it's like, yeah, like my uh, one of my closest friends and mentors, Jazzy, she was literally finishing a midterm like the night of a protest or uh, was getting ready for one during a protest. Like there's just so many different things that are so much more important for us as human beings first. That it's like, yeah, like I know I got this homework assignment, but what does this homework assignment even mean in the big picture? Right. I, I, that's exactly how I feel like word for word. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm doing like so much stuff. And then when I'm sitting in front of my laptop, having to do schoolwork, I feel like a high schooler and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually here for this. This is what I came here for, but I don't spend a lot of the time that I need to be doing it. Cause everything else seems, you know, so much more important in the grand, grand scheme of things. Yeah, well, if there's anything I could tell you as a friend, as someone who's been through the college thing a couple of times now, the stuff that you're doing, it matters. Like, I feel like as you start to figure out what you want to study, as you figure out what you want to do career-wise, you're going to look back at these moments that you were standing up for things that you believed in and putting together spaces and being a creative. Like, these are the things that are going to take us way further. Like, obviously, you're going to need to have some type of, like, area of expertise or Uh, something that you're going to need to have like something that you're focused on and studying but the experiences that you have as a leader and like a person in community that's what matters because there's people that have these degrees that don't know nothing about humans (laughs) right and I thank Cuyamaca for opening those doors for me to experience other humans because I think before this and still a little bit now or a lot of it I've been very very sheltered and so Uh like just interacting with normal day-to-day people is like such a 
even just the simplest interaction, I'm like, this is such a spiritual experience. And people are like, this is just normal. Like we just go about our day. I'm like, I didn't <laughs> do that growing up. Like I was very much in the house. My my dad specifically was very protective over us. So to be able to just go out and like be around people, that's a big deal for me. Absolutely. And one of those ways that you're able to be around people and something that you were able to do outside of the classroom was you were starting Young, Gifted, and Black. So yeah. why don't you talk to our listeners? Well, first, let us know what is Young, Gifted, and Black. Okay, so I don't have the like amazing spiel that you have for Big Girl. But I honestly, so I was telling um, Kohu about this once. That was because uh, I told him about the dreams that I have. And I had a dream recently because he was saying, like, if you're going to be the leader of something, you need when people ask you about it, you need to know what you're talking about. And I was like, right. I just had it come up with like a very thought out mission statement yet. But yeah, in my head, it's like, like <laughs> I know what it is. Right. But I had a dream where I had like this very specific, very well thought out like mission statement that I gave to somebody who asked me about it. And I actually have it written down. So I'm going to tell you that then rather than what comes up in my head, because um, I don't trust myself right now. It says our purpose is to set the foundation that welcomes black students in to propel them to take charge of any aspect of their life and follow their dreams, knowing that whatever goes right or wrong, they have a home they can return to not only with the resources, but with community, a community of people who understand them, who share their experiences and support them which is very important because I think there's like, when I when I started thinking about Young, Gifted, and Black, um, it was more creatively centered, but what was highlighted to me several times is that gifts can go very much outside of art. Uh, there's a lot of math, STEAMs, STEM, whatever you call it, students. I'm not a math person or a science person, so don't, don't hate me. <laughs> we, there's engineering people, you know, I think that's in STEM too. <laughs> uh, there's, um, there's, and there is poets, there's, there is artists, there is singers, but that's not all that we can do. We can do so much. And so I really wanted it to be somewhere where we can all just be ourselves and feel comfortable happy and excited to share what we have because what I noticed going around campus is one there's it's hard it's very hard to find someone that looks like you on that campus as a black person uh, there are very few and far in between but when 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 you do it I think this is a San Diego culture thing they don't I mean we don't really say hi to each other which breaks my heart every time. I don't even get the head nod, nothing. I'm like, hey, and I'm like, they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, oh, I thought we were in this together. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but they have like these hidden talents and amazing skills and beautiful parts of themselves that they could share, but they don't. And that goes for anybody of any color, mm -hmm. but like you wouldn't know if you didn't talk to them or give them an opportunity. And what I noticed going on campus was there was no opportunities. And I was like, oh, that's a problem that needs to be fixed. And I I grew up with a dad and grandpa that was like, well, if there's a problem and nobody else is fixing it, you do it yourself. I was like, OK, well, I guess I got to do this <laughs> myself because there's really nobody else is going to do it. Um, and I could ask people to do it for me, but would it be done the way that, you know, mm -hmm. is appropriate or 
seem is authentic because you can tell when something's made by someone for someone and when it's made by someone else for someone else and so I wanted that authentic space to be created and just to have fun you know and I didn't realize that it was actually really hard to lead something like I did not know that going into it I thought it was gonna be a little club but no it's really it's a real deal Hey, I think that you have more of the mission statement ready than you think that you do, because you said the statement that you wrote and read, beautiful, perfect, like I was actually moved by that, like I really love what you said there, but then you were immediately able to still give me the story and give me a clear idea and vision of what you're trying to accomplish, so... Like I said, I think it just comes down to repetition. The more that you're talking about Young, Gifted, and Black, the more it's going to roll off the tongue. But it sounds like you saw a need for a community space for people to express themselves and have a place to showcase what makes them who they are with people that look like them. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you really encompass that by sharing your vision, sharing your dream. And I think that's what we do as creatives the more that we just share the thought process behind what we're doing, it makes it very clear what the why is. Mm. Thank you. That made me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the goal of the podcast. I said we got to get the the good feelings in the air. Um, but also, I just resonate a lot with what you're doing and see a lot of myself in it, too, because going to an institution like UCSD, where obviously in La Jolla, you're also not seeing too many people that look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so having like that BSU space that already existed was very impactful, but also like trying to find ways within that space to build community with people. Because one of the things that I feel we don't talk about a lot when it comes to college settings a lot, a lot of times we're making friends with Black people just because we're trying to make friends with Black people, but we're making friends with people we have nothing in common with, probably wouldn't interact with if it weren't for this shared space. And mm-hmm. so just giving more spaces for people to get to know people on such a deep level, I think is so important because you really realize how more often you are more alike than you're not when it comes down to hearing people's stories, their upbringing, things that they're passionate about, which is why I like doing podcasting because it's a similar way to have in this digital space, a way for people to share parts of their story that maybe you're not going to get if you just ask like, oh, hey, how's it going? I love that. And I definitely agree and and resonate with that a lot. Um, I think it was our second. So I don't know, maybe I should give a little backstory. when I started going to Cuyamaca, that, like I said, it was highlighted to me that these spaces for specifically Black people did not exist. I tried to find out what was going on with Umoja or BSU, and it was, it was, there was nothing there. And I was like, okay, that's a problem. That's got to change. I know there's not much of us on here, but we're here, and there needs to be a space for that. And so I think the first, the first open mic I've ever gone to in my life was on Zoom through Cuyamaca. And I was I was just there, just trying to see what it was about. And it wasn't many people on there at all. And everyone was so shy, like hiding behind their cameras, not really saying anything. Like, oh, I'm just sitting in. And I was like, no, we're not gonna do that. If this is an open mic, let it be open. So I was, I was just talking a lot. <laughs> I was telling them about my day. I was like, look at this book I'm reading and here's a painting I made and yada, yada, yada. Cause I can tell, if nobody else is comfortable, you have to make yourself comfortable so that other people will feel comfortable too. And um, so then that was that. I enjoyed it. And then I went to another one, which is where I met Kovu and he did his piece um, that breaks my heart every time. And 
I don't know what it's titled. I don't know if it has a title, but um, I believe. I can't think of the title either. Yeah, I believe everyone has heard it from him if they've gone to Black Expression at least once. Um, and then I also met Claudette, who is um, a member of Young Gifted and Black, and she's like my mother to me. I love her. <laughs> and so that's where it was like the three of us talking. And I I gave my first, like, I recited my first poem there too. And I wrote it, I think, the night before. And that was the first time I felt like such a release from writing because um, I was just being fully honest and I gave like the my ugliest truth and I wrote it out on paper and I was like this is all the stuff I feel ashamed about and what I don't like and yeah yeah and I really said it and I never said that poem again <laughs> I was like the the first and last time I said it and um Kovu you know he's so like humble he'll be like and you know yeah you could go to like this thing I know about like black expression or whatever and I was like oh, okay I didn't know that he like impersonation he'd be like <laughs> right. yeah it's just community open mic space or whatever I don't got nothing to do with it it's just people running open mic <laughs> right he's like you know I was in the marine corps or whatever you know and it's <laughs> like oh okay so it's just something that he goes to or he's heard about but he gave me the Instagram I go on the Instagram and I was like wait a damn second <laughs> this dude is the the co-founder and the director talking about some oh it's just some open mic thing I was like oh okay it, <laughs> uh, right at this point I had already had the idea for Young Gifted and Black and I was drafting up some event ideas and name ideas and all that kind of stuff and what was ironic was that <laughs> one of the name ideas I had down was Black Expression which I did not know already existed <laughs> that would have been awkward right so when I met Kofu and I found out about Black Expression I was like oh yeah this is like meant to be and so um after that I remember talking to the to the professor who who hosted the Zoom open mics and I was like let's do this in person um because the Zoom thing it's cool but it's not like what you can get being in person obviously and she was like, cool. Yeah. Do you want to facilitate? I was like, wait. <laughs> he was like, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say all that. Uh, but I ended up facilitating because I'm I'm very opportunistic. If anything comes my way, I'm like, shoot, let me try it out. Who knows what could come from it? And a lot came from this so far. And so I, I hosted my first open mic with Kovu, I, I definitely asked him to co-host because he has way more experience and I needed that that comfort. And that was the first day we met in person. Then our next open mic, it was like it was like that spiritual connection experience that you were talking about. Like seeing all these different people in one room, like a very small room of like 50 something people crying, singing, dancing, laughing. Um speaking different languages or giving different cultural uh, music and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I never been in a room this intimate, diverse and honest all at once. And I think that's definitely what I needed. And maybe a lot of other people needed that they didn't know they needed. And I think it's very healing to know that no matter where you come from, a lot of us go through the same stuff, man like the same stuff it just sounds different or looks different but it's the same thing and it's crazy yeah man it is 
And hearing you say that full story and kind of the trajectory of the birth and growth of Young, Gifted, and Black, there's so many parallels to my story. It's kind of eerie because I'll say the story really quickly because the returning listeners and people who know me, I've heard this several times, but UCSD, I felt was also missing like some type of creative expressive place. And so myself and one of my close friends, Cambria, we wanted to do an open mic at UCSD. Uh, so we put together a flyer for, we called it Flexing My Expression. Um, and we thought, like, oh, like maybe like five or so people going to come. Like nobody really going to go to an open mic. People don't do poetry. What is this? And then we put out an RCP for it and like 50 people had RCP. So it was like, oh, we need a bigger space. And so we ended up getting a bigger room. We got like a hundred people there. Uh, we had a live painter there. We had the spoken word artist come do uh, um, slam poetry. And I had never heard slam poetry before. I got on the mic for the first time. I had never performed poetry in front of anybody. And Flex My Expression grew to be this big thing to where, like you said, we're in this space at UCC's campus. And people who have never shared their gifts with people, never shared their words with people, were getting up on the mic, singing, dancing, sharing poetry. And just the connections that were formed that night, it's like, wow, like this is beautiful magic that we captured. And yeah, it was just really magical to see that level of support from people too. Like right before the, uh, and I don't even know if I mentioned this on episode of Cambria, but right before the uh, show was about to start, the fire alarm went off in the building. So we all had to evacuate the building. And then everybody came back for the show. I was like, oh, y'all stay for me. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's literally, putting on Flex My Expression is the reason I got involved with the poetry community in San Diego. So it's just the parallels between Young Gift and Black and Flex My Expression are kind of eerie and I love it. <laughs> I love that too. That's amazing. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that the poetry scene was like even a thing. Cause like I said, I was very, very sheltered and I was generally like hungry for a community um, like that. Uh, not specifically poetry because I didn't know that's what I needed. I never really did poetry like that. Like I've written things before, but like I never was like a poet. I still don't call myself that. I really just started writing. You don't call yourself a poet. <laughs> you like I'm crazy. What? <laughs> what did you tell me on Friday? You must have lost your mind. So <laughs> I had to go find it. Um, <laughs> I I really don't, unless I'm joking. I'll, like I'll say something that rhymes in a sentence. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm a poet. But like I really don't, because that is the latest art form that I picked up uh, I that's definitely further along um I've always liked writing creatively but like I really never was a poet poet until like this year when I like I said when I wrote that first poem where I felt like a part of me was like released and I was like oh okay this is why people do this <laughs> and um I believe that was probably February or some some early month of this year that I really started getting into it um but I forgot where I was going with this it like I said <laughs> um to find that community of like-minded people people that look like you that sound like you that feel all the same things as you that go through the same things as you uh, specifically is like oh my gosh I didn't know like this was a thing and that it would feel this good. Like I didn't know the importance of community that much because like I said, I didn't really have that growing up. I was very mm. to myself. Um, so I don't know, I'm like tapping it in parts of myself or whatever. 
or whatever. <laughs> this is like talking to a mirror right now. I just see like <laughs> young Kyler talking to some other poet. Um, from poet to poet, you are a poet. Like I'm like full stop. I don't know why you would even think to say that you're not a poet. Like that's that's probably the wildest thing I've heard in 2023 is that Pascal doesn't consider herself a poet. Like what? I would say, like, I just be writing. Like, when people ask me, like, oh, do you publish? Or do I'm like, I just be writing, man. Like, I don't know. I just, this, I just do it. When I feel something, I write it down. And then if I feel brave enough to go say it in front of a group of people, then I do that. But, yeah. That's how I think of it. You're like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have a question for you. Have you ever written a poem? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes a few maybe perhaps so you've written a few poems uh, according to this small website i found called google a uh, poet <laughs> is defined as a person who writes poems so by definition <laughs> oh okay thanks google ruining my whole gig okay google i rock with the second sentence on here I know, right? It's just all small. <laughs> They're probably not going to make it. I like the second sentence more, though, because it says a person possessing special powers of imagination or expression. I like that. We superheroes. Oh, that's nice. Wow. I like that. Maybe poet is a is a, is a a state of being. It is Life a state of being. Century. I agree with that. Life is poetry. Yeah. See, that's only something a poet would say, so I don't want to hear it. Um... <laughs> but if I were to be like 110% honest with you, if I would have never asked you about this story and you told me that you started becoming a poet in like February this year, I would have thought you'd been performing poetry for years. Off rip. Okay, I'll say this. I I definitely, it's not my first interaction with poetry like this year. It's just when I really started doing it consistently and like taking it seriously because before... I have like this creative writing journal from like sixth grade and I was going through it and I was like first of all girl what was you going through in sixth grade that was that hard to write these poems that was my first question my second question was okay some of these are actually kind of dope like if I were to rewrite them now they'd probably sound kind of cool and then I was like I didn't I didn't know it existed I didn't know I'd written those and I was like okay Pascal like she kind of had some good penmanship back in the day and so um that was like probably my first um, that I can remember or have record of like thing with poetry and then as I probably was like in high school I definitely wrote poems but they're very short and they're very like I feel like disingenuous I think that it was like I just wanted to write something that sounded cool rather than exactly how I actually felt. I just wanted it to, because I thought poetry is like, poetry just sounds so romantic, but that's not how my life was. I was not, I was not living a romantic life. It was tough in high school. If I'm keeping it real. So the poems definitely didn't reflect what my life was actually like. So I, I just consider those like just me messing around. Um, but now when I write, it's definitely more real. It's definitely, mm -hmm. it's definitely, I feel like it's definitely me um, sharing my soul just straight up, which is free. It's very nice. Yeah, there's, sometimes I feel like there's nothing more freeing than being able to write a poem and really getting 
whatever you're honestly feeling out, whether it's something that you're going to share widely or share with no one, but just being able to write down those words or say those words and put it in a place that makes it tangible. Like when you mentioned the piece that you performed, I think you said on Zoom that you haven't performed since. I definitely have a poem like that too. I went to open mic at Queen Bee's. I performed a poem. I was like, all right, I'm never saying that ever again. That sequence of words is just deleted from my lexicon because I got it out. It's done. We're not opening that box ever again. <laughs> I feel that hard. I mean, there's some, I, I feel like when I go up and perform at open mics, a lot of the time I like my pieces to be one and done. Like I never really repeat poems. I think I've done it like maybe a couple times where I've repeated something just because I came unprepared because I usually, like when I write poems, it's definitely like intimate time. I feel like with me and God, because that's when I feel, when I write a poem, it's like, that's how I hear whatever God is trying to say to me and then get it out in a way that makes sense because that's just my personal way of connecting. And a lot of the time, it'll be like such a full circle thing to write it. It's like, oh, I know that wasn't just my capability, so I can't do that. And like, I'll go through and I'll find the things that were written down. And I'm like, this is like full circle, like from my childhood to now to what's, it's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I have no choice but to say this. Like, I want people to feel what the release that I felt in this moment, even if people don't understand or yeah. don't care for it, or they're like, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm like, at least I got it out there. And you know, Black Expression records everything. So it's somewhere on record. And I can't say I didn't try, you know? <laughs> so I, I just... I think not only is poetry like falling in love with language and words and how it can be so uh, deep, like deeper than like you think. And it can retell stories and then pre-tell stories of your life and um, just gain new understanding of yourself. Because otherwise, if I was just in my head and it didn't get out on paper, I probably wouldn't have figured these things out, honestly. Uh -huh. I'm not that, I, it gets crowded up here sometimes. <laughs> hey, it do be getting crowded up there. Um, <laughs> speaking for myself. Um, yeah, I think that those full circle moments when you really look back at what you've written and just, I talk about this in another poet on the podcast too, just the depth that goes into just the simple word choices that you're making. Like people might read or hear your poem and they just hear in a sentence, not knowing that you spent like 15 minutes really trying to figure out if these words really captured exactly what she was trying to say. And sometimes I look back at, especially poems out of my first couple of books that I have. And I'm like, dang, I put this out there for everybody to read. That's real. That's real. That's, yes that's it's, it takes courage to put yourself out there like that for sure and I think it's beautiful when we are able to reflect back on what those completed pieces mean for us because like you said whether people understand it whether people know what she was even talking about I'm sure there's plenty of poems people have read like I have no idea what he's saying but <laughs> I guess this is cool um but yeah, just being able to look back and it's like, dang, like I wrote that. Because even on, uh, so we're recording this on November 12th. So a few days ago, we had Black Expression and you were sitting at the front reading my poetry books. <laughs> for free. And you were, for free. And you would show me poems and you'd be like, oh, I like this one. And I'll see which one. I was like, oh, I forgot I wrote that. 
I was getting all the tea for free. I was like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> but I loved that. I loved um, it's, you know, when it comes to like publishing, because y'all y'all be over there trying to pressure me into writing a book. I'm like, I got nothing to write about, but okay. And I, I asked my dad, I was like, dad, because I don't know if y'all, if you figured out by now, my dad is like my best friend. And I was like, dad, they trying to give me the right book. Should I do it? <laughs> And he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, you said that fast? And that was a dad. Like, <laughs> you know, props to Pops. And <laughs> he was saying um, that if you can have anything that your children and grandchildren and blah, blah, can look back on and say they have a part of you left behind, then do it. And I was like, oh, uh, I thought that's what my journals were. But okay. But I guess maybe those don't last as long. <laughs> but you know, the more I've been like in the poetry scene or what whatnot, <laughs> it's it's I like I'd said to you before, I forget that people like sell their stuff. I was just out here like doing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot people can make money off this. <laughs> I completely forgot that. And honestly, it's definitely a good idea. And after like, you know reading your books for free I got my discounted um sneak peeks I was like actually this is dope because it's you get insight on the person stuff that they probably would never share um even like just saying it out loud that kind of stuff to me is like I would never say this one-on-one -on -one with somebody but to a crowd of people I'm like an open book and it's mm -hmm. weird <laughs> isn't it so strange so um Imagine that on even even larger scale, people you don't have to be around just opening opening your book and getting a piece yeah. inside you. That's that's I commend that a lot. Yeah, a couple of things came up when you were just saying that. One, I think about that randomly. I'm like, somebody has like just my deepest like trauma just on a bookshelf. <laughs> they could just be chilling, like you know. Let me let me see what Kyler talking about. Then open up to something that I was dealing with for ten years and just reading it real quick, like just on a bookshelf, like it's casual. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely something when you start to think about it. But also, I would say with regards to you writing a book, hopefully you understand it comes from a place of loving pressure and wanting you to share your story for sure just because thinking back when I was about to publish my first book which came out I published that right after I graduated undergrad and I wish somebody would have told me to publish my book sooner mm. and I think that's what makes me want to help people share stories because at the time I published Five South I already had like 150 poems in my phone I just had to pick the poems out and put them in the book and so it was like a it was a art process of just finding what poems I felt painted the story I wanted to paint and put them in the book and I think that as you continue to write and have poems that you want to share with people I think the book will come naturally I think what's most important is that before you even get there you know that you can do a book and you mm. definitely can I appreciate that I do want to ask you though I'm not the interviewer or whatever but uh, what is what was like the selection process like for picking the poems and why did you choose the ones that you chose it's a good question and I love that you asked I usually tell people like this can be like a give and take conversation I don't have to necessarily only be the one asking questions I think mm -hmm. it's interesting for the listeners too um it's different for every book of course I think with that first one first was just sitting with like why did I want to put a poetry book out? Like, obviously, 
it's a way that I can make like passive income. But for me, it wasn't necessarily about making money and not that it is for anyone, but that was like just the first thought, like, oh, I can sell poetry to make money. But once I really started to think like, why would I want someone to buy this poetry book? I felt like throughout my four years at UCSD, I had grown, learned, unlearned, and discovered so much over the course of four years. I was learning about Blackness. I was learning about systemic oppression, institutional racism, uh, homophobia, transphobia, massage noir, all the different terms that we use. I was learning just so much, but at the same time, having to unpack and unlearn like those same things from my past and figuring out like, who do I need to be to be like a good person in, on this planet? On top of that, just understanding all the things that I was still thinking about and dealing with, or just understanding more from how I grew up, whether it was like my brother was in jail for like seven years of my life. So what was that like, like not being around my brother? Uh, what was it like processing like my first heartbreak and not really knowing how to navigate all of that? So I knew like some of the biggest pillars that I wanted people to come out of that poetry book from. And I think with Five South, it's a lot of heartbreak. It's a lot of family stuff. It's a lot of, it's kind of like somebody cracking open the dome of your world and like, hey, there's this big planet out there of just possibility. There's this big planet out there with a lot of issues that people face systemically. And I was just processing this between years of 17 and 21 of my life. So it was like, how do I tell people like what, like just what my, because I'm such an internal processor, like what is this thought process even going on in my head? Like all these different things playing at once. And so as I was picking poems, I was hoping to just pick poems that I felt were indicative of those different areas that I was thinking about, but also that showed some type of reflective growth. Like this is what I've experienced. This is what I've seen. College has changed just a little bit to where this is how I'm looking at it in hindsight. This is where I was at in the midst of it. And this is where I want to be. I feel like that's kind of the process for the first one. And then from there, just really sticking to like whatever mission or message I want for the books, like my latest book, Full Bloom, um, I was really fixated on the uh, phrase, like, who would have known from the concrete or flower would grow? And so just thinking through, like, what what does that look like for the flower to be fully out of concrete? So mm -hmm. those are the types of questions that I'm asking as I'm picking through those poems. It's a good question. I don't think anyone's ever really asked me that. Oh, my gosh, not me being a firstie. Uh, <laughs> I like that a lot. I think because um, I, I was wondering, like, how do you theme a whole book and... I think the way you put it, this is what I got from it, is like just the periods of life and the the things that are really highlighted to you during that time can inspire like a lot of pieces that may seem very different, but are connected by at least one thing, which I think is is poetry itself, is the connection of things that aren't alike becoming things. I mean metaphors and similes and all this stuff it's that's as poetry itself I mean look how broad this poetry <laughs> line can think <laughs> no absolutely and I think it's all within framing how we experience things because you can talk about things like oh I got my heart broken but getting mm -hmm. your heart broken is different than your first heartbreak 
graduating college is different than being the first person in your family to graduate from college. Like, I think the way that we frame things and the the language that we use to describe the things we're experiencing, the themes just present themselves, honestly. And I can't wait for you to eventually get through Obsidian because I feel like that is the book that I've really painted a very detailed picture for because it's not just poems, it's also narrative. Ooh, okay. I like that. Like I said, I'm kind of try, try, try to crack your head open like a egg. So I'm going to find out. That sounds painful. Hey. <laughs> That's a little inside joke that people are not even going to get and I love it. Um, but stepping out of myself real quick to return back to the star of the podcast. I appreciate the question about the poetry book. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really excited to see your growth as a poet. Like I feel like I didn't specifically ask like when we first crossed paths I usually ask that for people I've known like for a lot longer but you and I have obviously only been in contact with each other this calendar year like I haven't even known you a year barely known you a few months um (laughs) and so I feel like I'm privileged and blessed to be at this part of your poetry journey because like a year from now when you come out with a book I'm gonna be like yeah like where was y'all November 12th when we recorded the podcast episode and we planted the ideas and she was talking about feeling pressured and now she got this best-selling poetry book like we here we knew we was gonna get here right that's what's gonna happen (laughs) love it love it for sure um related though because I just mentioned it do you remember the first time we met or your first time that you heard me perform or when we cross paths at Black Expression? Honestly, I think I didn't, I, I think I, the first time I attended Black Expression was, it's gotta be April because I remember, I can remember what was going on in my life at the time. And I probably needed that at that time because I was like, I was in my feels during that time. And so I also wanted to see what it is about so I can expand on YGB and get to know the people better. And I, I, after what I have found out about Kovu at that time, I knew he was great. So I was like, let me see what he does. I didn't know it was like so profound. And so um, I think generally like the team, they were there consistently. So I just, they all became familiar faces, including you. I don't, you know what? I remember, I think I remember the first time, I don't know if we met, but the first time I saw you was, I think I gave a poem about what I was going through at the time and you were hosting. And then I remember you came up after and you were like, bars. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I think that's the first memory I have of you. And then, yeah, that's, yeah. But like meeting, meeting, I don't know. Do you recall? I do not, but I do remember. Um, I think this is true with a lot of people I interview on a podcast where it's like, I don't remember the exact moment, but I just know that there's these multi-touch points and those small conversations that lead to like developing like a friendship with someone to where like, and I'm going to get to hosting Black Expression a bit, but when you're hosting an open mic and you have, there's so much like power in hosting an open mic or hosting any space really because people are going up and giving their X to five minute like speeches, poems, songs, whatever it may be. And what's said next after that person performs 
has so much power because you don't know if people are going through something. Uh, you don't know how hard it was for that person to get up. And so what is said next on that mic really matters. And so the fact that I came up to you and said bars, that's how you know your poem was good. I don't, I don't just go up to people and say bars. Like I'll say bars, but I'm not going up to a person and be like, oh, bars. I'll tell them on a mic. Um, but no, I'm, I think that there's so much power in those affirmations after the mic. And that's why I love open mic spaces because there's so much in the in-between and I'm sure you're seeing now that you're on the other side of the Black Expression team. There's so many in-between touch points that really make an open mic and really make the show. And it goes in all directions because I think it was, it might've been like two or three weeks ago. It was a few weeks ago at this point, but I came to Black Expression. And I don't think I had been for a few weeks and I like got on the mic to say the rules and you're like, oh, are you hosting? And you got all excited. I was like, dang, like you like when I host? Like, oh, like I feel, I feel warm inside. <laughs> I remember, I remember that specifically because I don't, I think, I don't know if that was my first time performing at Black Expression or one of the first times, but I remember feeling like, cause I had written that at work before I had gone over to Black Expression and I was really getting in my feels. Um, and I remember saying before I went up, like, I don't know what I want to say right now, but I just need to get this out. And I just said the whole poem. And then what you said after about it was not only did you say bars, which I was like, yay. <laughs> but you also <laughs> said something about you like the imagery of it and the rhythm. And I was, that felt good because I was like, that's exactly what I was going for. So I definitely specifically remember that. And I appreciate you for that, for sure. Because that that definitely affirmed me, you know, you know. Spirit sees spirit, okay? <laughs> spirit sees spirit. Um, we've talked a lot about you as a poet, even though you don't want to call yourself a poet, but you're a poet, poet. Um, but how would you, since you don't call yourself a poet, how do you define yourself as an artist and a creative? Me, Pascal, yes. So <laughs> I like to say that because I think there's, I don't know if this sounds cocky, but I do think there's power in our names as people, like, the names that we're given. And I I love my name because I've never met anybody else with this complexion, with this body, with this anything, with this name. And I got it in such a unique way. My dad had a dream about it, about a baby in the hospital with a, with a band that says Pascal Louise Bethany. And he turned over, woke my mom up and was like, we got to have another baby. And we got a neighbor, Pascal Louise Bethany. <laughs> and so I do think my name is god-given special so I, I identify with it a lot and I think it's the perfect description for everything I do it's just Pascal I mean that's just everything I make is just from Pascal so yeah hey I fully rock with that uh, our personal brands are so important that's why I'm really trying to build out the fourth Kyler as like my website and there's just especially being the fourth in my family name Kyler I'm like yeah like there's so there's so much power of that I love the story about your name. I love that that's how you present yourself as an artist. It's who you are. It's, it encompasses your full being. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's ever growing, ever changing, and ever hopeful. So that's that's how I would describe the art that I make. Mm. I love that ever changing, ever hopeful. And I know that you haven't performed like a ton across time. But what do you hope that people gain from when you do perform or what they what they are receiving when you get up and share your gifts and your words with people? Oh, OK. So like, like I said before, when I write poetry, I feel like it's God speaking to me and me putting it on paper. So what I hope is transferred is exactly what I received 
when writing it. It's that exact feeling of comfort and feeling like it's okay that I feel this way and it's okay that I went through this and it's okay that life can sometimes be like this because oftentimes it's, especially at, probably in this American worldview that we live in, is it's it, we're so independent, inv individualistic, that a lot of the times everything that happens feels like we got to do something to take care of it, or I got to handle this, or this is somehow something I did to make this happen. And I I can get in my head a lot about that personally. But when I write poems, it feels like a, like a hug, like it's okay. Um, mm. This was supposed to happen. You're going to be all right. And this is whatever you got from this, you can give to others. So that's, I hope that in general, anybody gets anything from it at all but specifically just that same comfort that I get when I write so yeah I love that just sharing the moments sharing the feelings and the emotions that we're feeling when we're in the writing space with other people I think that's exactly what I hope to get for what I perform to because like we said those five minutes that you're on the mic or up to five minutes you're on the mic when everybody has your attention the pace that you're delivering words like what words you're using the images that you're trying to paint it's all to set the scene and that's what i really value about you as a performer like i said those things about imagery and rhythm because i feel like especially for performers who are more nervous sometimes they speed themselves up but when you give your poems especially like when you're reading out of your journal like I, you can tell just how much intentionality that there is and i'm with you like every single word that you're saying because of just the rhythm that you're giving those words. I got to get flowers on the podcast too. It ain't just about interviewing. <laughs> I actually really appreciate that because I get nervous that um, I go too fast, that it's too hard to like stay on the same page. Because I hear that a lot in my public speaking class. They're like, oh, you could slow down a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so that that definitely, that was uh, reassuring. Uh, I'm, I'm here for reassurance whenever you need it. Um, <laughs> One more thing out of the poetry corner. Um, we've talked a lot about your leadership within Young, Gifted, and Black. You've also started to sprout as a leader within Black expression. You've had the opportunity to co-host some open mics. What is that like to be at the front of the room from the host perspective rather than as a performer? Uh, I love this question. <laughs> uh, like you said before, it's like so much power because I don't know, like I, I watch a lot of uh, 90s sitcoms and one that is like one of my favorites is Girlfriends. And I'm like on that episode where Lynn was dating the poetry dude. And I was watching the scene and I was like, this is not what hosting looks like. It'll be like they, <laughs> the host comes out from the shadows, doesn't say anything. And it's like, oh, next up to the mic. And I'm like, it's, I I really, um, I know Kovu hates getting his flowers, but I really always have to give it to him whenever I see him. Cause he really is like a big brother to me and a mentor. Um, specifically in this whole this whole hosting thing and in many other areas of life but like like I said when I first started hosting or facilitating or whatnot I was I never thought like ever that I would be the one to do that I never thought I had a personality that would just be like oh because I, I just wanted to perform I just wanted to share I didn't think about being a facilitator or anything but once I realized like okay Pascal you're going to have to do it. You want to, you want to lead young, gifted and black. You're going to have to figure out how to do this. Um, if people see that in you somewhere, then you got to start seeing it for yourself and just get rid of the nerves and go up and do it. And 
I've been blessed to be surrounded by people who have really gotten me, you know, been slowly pushing me out of my shell and getting me more comfortable with doing that. And like I said before, the experience was more like, uh, okay, I'll just bite the bullet and do it and get out of, you know, my comfort zone. And now it's becoming more and more like, oh, I actually really enjoy this. And it's fun to just like be present. And I think that comes with like a sense of familiarity because now that I've been coming to Black Expression more, more frequently, I'm like officially a team member or whatever. <laughs> it it feels more like I'm just talking to friends or family rather than I have to like go up and like, you know, do the host thing. It's more like I'm just here. And um, it's intimidating in a way because I've said this before in conversation, um, it's different than going up to perform a piece because when you're performing a piece, that's called a piece for a reason. It's just a piece of yourself. You're not giving your whole self. When you're hosting, you just got to be yourself, bring yourself. That's all you can do. And then, I mean, that's it. Like, and as you said before, it's important to make people feel um, appreciated for what they brought up. And I had to learn that. Because when I first started hosting, I was not prepared. Kofu is not the guy who gives all the outlines before putting you up there. He just sees how you do. And then after, he'll give you the tips. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so he, after, like, I did one with him at school, some guy came up and he did, like, the most personal, deepest, saddest poem you could ever think of. And I had no idea what to say. And I was like, I was completely unprepared. So I literally was just like, okay guys um next and Google's like you can't do that you gotta like make them feel that like what he said was like he really got some off his chest and so I've definitely had to learn to be comfortable enough to be honest um and let the feeling just that elephant in the room be the elephant in the room and not hide from it um which was another tip I got from him um it doesn't have to be lighthearted all the time so yeah, it's definitely a learning process, but it's so much fun. It's a great opportunity to just um, find out who you are and then be okay with it at the same time, because you can't hide from yourself if you're being yourself in a room full of people. So it's it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a word for sure. And I think that the more that you're able to host these different spaces, the more comfortable you're going to become, uh, the better feel you're going to have, the more you're going to be able to showcase your true essence. And I think we're definitely starting to see the roots of that. Um, and I think that's one of the true tests of like comfortability as a host when someone goes up there and you don't know what to say. Like, and I think sometimes, at least for me, I fully own that lack of knowing what to say because I think that is just as impactful as saying something. Sometimes mm -hmm. somebody will go up there and they'll deliver a really powerful piece and I'll get up there and have no idea what I'm about to say and just sit there and just like sit in that moment, let people feel whatever song Derek's playing afterwards or just feeling the silence of the room and having people sit with what those last words were and then just thanking the person for sharing that because I think mm -hmm. at bare minimum respect for what is said and an appreciation for what is said can go such a long way and yeah I do my best to try to say something at the end of everybody's poem but sometimes it's just like yeah like just those words move me thank you mm -hmm. that's good yeah I think it's definitely I like that we we can't hide from truth so just let it be truth you know let it be truth uh we're gonna have to co-host one of these days though and get the 
the I dynamic just, going. <laughs> I feel like we would have really good chemistry on stage. And I was like, why haven't they asked me to co-host with them yet? Because I feel like it would work really well. <laughs> it's okay. Yes. We'll make it happen. We'll just boot Kobo off the mic and I'll just take over. It's, it's all good. Yes, you guys to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I feel like people got a pretty good idea of who you are as Pascal, the artist the poets that we're putting loud and in caps. I might even put this whole episode title, Pascal the Poet. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of goes together. <laughs> it does go together. It's written in stone. Um, I know that throughout this conversation, there's been a few things that have come up very consistently. Uh, you talked about your dad being like your best friend. Uh, God and religion has come up a lot. And I wanted you to have the opportunity to just share a little bit more about what family what god what religion means to you as a person who is developing in this world and finding your way yeah so family um specifically has definitely been my key motivators in life and i feel like i'm definitely so close to my dad because i take after him in a lot of ways like i i look just like the man and i think our spirits also are very similar because um he's very tough love he's very honest he's very um I just he's very determined like his the way he thinks is if 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 somebody else can do it I can do it too and why would I pay somebody else for something that I know I can figure out and so because he's like that I've taken that on too and I feel like we are both very driven which I like and personality wise we just get along really well um and so I, I learn a lot from him every day. And I, I I really value that relationship. And it saved me, the things that he's taught me. It saved me from things that may have destroyed me. Um, and my grandmother is like my biggest motivator every day. I feel like she's my guardian angel. She's she's not here anymore. But I, I really wish that while she was here, that I would have gotten closer to her. But honestly, in death, I feel like I've gotten even closer and closer to her. She's just, um, I feel very like a kindred spirit with her as well. Um, so they they very much motivate me. And then God is like my ultimate father, I feel like. The, the wisdom and love and safety that I feel from God is incomparable to anything that anybody on this earth can give me. And so I, I always try to stay in tune and connected so that I know I'm where I'm supposed to be and that yeah. I feel that comfort and safety because oftentimes at least now I, I I like to say that at this age I feel like um a blank page that's just waiting to be written on there's so much that could go that could one way or another and I think as people we just want to do this thing right and whatever that means and so um, I think the only way I can figure out how to do it right in my personal way, in my personal understanding of it, will be just through connecting with God. And I will be led exactly where I'm supposed to be, exactly when I need to be, so that I don't got to stress about all that extra stuff. Um, and so I definitely value that relationship more than anything um, because it has protected me. What I, even with YGB, I did not come up with that really completely myself the only reason I had the motivation and um thought that like oh this is something I can do is because God gave me the vision and I'm like now he's just taking me on the journey I literally have 
my prayer up stapled in the back for YGB. And like, sometimes I'll look at it and I'll be like, no way. Like this stuff is actually like coming to pass. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's God's my biggest motivator. He's the biggest safety net I have. I've learned and gained more in the short amount of time that I've actually been like devoted to living my life for him than anything that has ever, any experience I've had on this earth could teach me. It's literally just communicate with him. I get wisdom and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that like all this was possible. And so, yeah, that I, it guides me through everything I do, which I, I, family and God definitely do that for me. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing about that relationship that you have with those wonderful people in your life and your relationship with God. I think that the more that we understand more about what motivates us as people and what motivates people that are in our village and our community, the more that we can truly support one another, the more that we can truly see each other too. I, I view like a lot of storytelling as helping people be seen. And so thank you for helping us see that part of you a little bit deeper. I love storytelling. <laughs> Which is why I need a book. <laughs> Damn. okay <laughs> um so before we round out to the tail end of the podcast there's a couple more areas of real life that i think are important that we give uh some bandwidth to on the podcast uh you mentioned it briefly a little bit earlier but painting is also something that uh you are into i know that live painting is something that she says you wanted to try out so uh, how does painting fulfill like one of your expression needs or feel fulfill like a part of who Pascal is? Oh God. So I actually didn't start out painting. Like I started, I, when I was younger, like somebody showed me uh, an adult that was working at my school showed me this drawing she made. And I was like, I want to do that. And so I spent like months, if not years, just per perfecting the art of drawing. And I got to a point where I was, I think for most of the time that I was learning it, it was literally just that, learning the technicalities of it so that then later on I can do whatever I want because I already have all the skills that I needed. And so I think I finally reached that point recently where I was like, okay, I think I have all the skills I need right now that I can make whatever's in my head because you can have like these beautiful visions and ideas in your head, but not, you don't have what it takes to execute it. And so I really wanted what it took to execute that. So I started that. I was like nine years old and now I recently took on painting and I did watercolor because I love how you know easy it is for me and how it how beautiful it looks and so when I paint it's just a visual expression of exactly how I feel and um the experiences and stories that are going on in my life I I have a favorite which is um, named after uh, Anina Simone song. I love it so much. And I I made it to, ex to just as a testament to the experience of Black womanhood and how it just doesn't look one certain way, which is what the song is about. So I think um, it's a release, definitely, but not, it, it doesn't come as quickly as poetry because poetry, you can, you can, sometimes you can write it in one sitting, but painting, I got to leave and got to return to it. And then I got to leave and return to it. So it's definitely a big commitment. I've had my on and off seasons with it, but um, overall, it definitely feels like just like any other form of art, like an expression of 
my soul or myself just on paper, which I think is beautiful every time. Love that. Love the depiction of how you describe that as well. Uh, Pascal, the listeners have gotten so many gems for you, so much insight as to who you are as a creative and as a person. Uh, one other question I had for you, you mentioned people like your dad, your grandma and God, who are some other people who inspire you or other people who influence you? You know, I saw this question on the thing and I was like, oh gosh, I need to limit them. So I made a list, you know, I came prepared. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned before, I said, Nina Simone, she, she's like my, uh, spirit mother as well. I love her just the way she sings, the way she writes, it's, uh, it just touches a deep part of my soul. So definitely Nina Simone and Donnie Hathaway, which I think unironically, their Young, Gifted, and Black is named after a song that they both sang. So mm-hmm. hello, definitely them too. <laughs> um, I love the way that they, they just execute emotion in such a classy, elegant, but painful way as well, an honest way. Um, I would say, as far as celebrities, Minnie Ripperton, Eartha Kitt, definitely kin- kindred spirits with them. I feel that vibe. Um, and just if we're talking about life, everyday people, the people you meet at Black Expression, people you meet on the street, people you meet at school. I work with kids. Kids are very inspiring. Um, sometimes I'll just be looking and I'm like, I wish I was like this innocent. Like they just like want to do stuff just to do it. And it's like, it's cute. <laughs> but sometimes I, it makes me mad too. <laughs> I also love music and I love to sing. I just haven't done it yet. I'm nervous, but musically. Uh, you should have said that, you know, you know, I'm going to be keeping you accountable for the singing now. <laughs> Don't worry, Kofu's already on it. And I'm like, I'm avoiding it. I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh, because you know, when he says to do something, and some at some point it's gonna happen. So uh musically, Dinah Washington, Janae, Billy Holiday, D'Angelo. I love all those sounds. If I could, if I was like it's some amazing musical artist and I could like clash all those sounds into one and execute it perfectly, that's what I would do. But yeah. That's my long list of my inspirations. Love that you prepared that. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever like prepared a list ahead of time. <laughs> you know I had to come through. Of course. I think that every guest I have, when I ask the question, they always feel like pressure to name every single person who's ever inspired them or influenced them. So I try to give people out and like, just name a few. So you ain't got to feel like you play the episode back and then you get the text from the cousin. Oh, so you're going to say, I ain't inspire you or influence you. I used to change your diapers. <laughs> Not the cousin. <laughs> That's you, great. You know how folks be. Yeah. Um this next episode or next episode uh this next question slash segment uh this is something that i'm still workshopping the exact like setup for it but i'm calling it the fourth place and a little bit of backstory for it in my mba program we talked about a case study i'm pretty sure it was about starbucks but i need to fact check that for the future but essentially it was this coffee shop and they were trying to figure out like how they wanted to position themselves and they wanted to position themselves as the third place for people with the first place being your home, second place being work or school, whatever you're doing. And then the third place being this coffee shop to where you can come, you can mix a mingle, get work done, whatever it be. But this third place that is like in between home and work. 
And so with the fourth place, the question I have for folks on the podcast now is where is like your Zen place, which I mean by like the place, the scenario or set of circumstances where you feel the most peace of mind. Ooh, my car. I said that my car is like my war room, my prayer room. Um, I write a lot of poetry in my car. I talk to myself. I like record video diaries. I just talk to God there because there's little to no distractions. Um, it's quiet and I'm comfortable in there. So yeah, definitely my car is because that's definitely where I hear God the loudest. I have no choice but to sit there with him and myself and just be like, what you got to say? So yeah, definitely my car. I feel that. I think so. A little bit of insider knowledge. Um, Five South, the first book that I came out with, I wrote that because I'm from Los Angeles, take the five south to get from LA to San Diego. And a lot of the poems that I have in that book, the inspiration started driving either home from San Diego or to college from LA. And I think there's a lot that you can unpack within that, but just something about that drive and reflecting on whatever's going on in San Diego, or whatever's going on in LA led to so many of those poems. Um, so definitely understand the car as it's in place. I definitely enjoy the video journals that make their way to the story. I feel like you'd be spending some wisdom there, but also just sharing a piece of you that I would say is like an intimate part of you, like those conversations that you have in the car. Like, obviously we don't get, uh, it's not a live stream of every single thing that you saying to yourself in the car. Uh, but I think just that insight into whatever the thought processes that you have going on is just such a way that to connect with people. And I think it shows up in like poetry too, where it's like, you're not putting those videos up because you want people to hear everything you have to say, but it's God speaking through you. It's what you're reflecting on and you're sharing that with people to each one reach one, like touch some heart somewhere out there. So definitely rock with your Zen place and look forward to more of the car chronicles um that could be that could be your poetry book the car chronicles Honestly, pascal in the passenger seat passenger seat poetry we could workshop some we could workshop oh some my titles. gosh dang kyler wait let me write this down <laughs> that was dope i'm telling you like uh, we trying to put you on like we need the book we need the singing performance the live painting like oh. i got my mba we could do the whole pascal brand if you want to i'll be your brand ambassador <laughs> Bet, you know, you could do a podcast episode in the car. So you plan on, so is the first live episode of Bengal Hall Podcast going to be in Pascal's car? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm actually down. Where are we going? I'm down too. I'm I'm down. That would be dope. We're we going to make that happen. I've had a lot of live show ideas, but I like this one. Drop the seed. Because then you can play music. You could do You could do so much with that. Passenger seat with Pascal. Boom. The podcast. Boom. With a period. Like <laughs> Boom, a period. And then the uh the logo of the podcast is gonna be a cheers. Oh, you you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> uh Pascal, you've been so gracious with your time. Uh, outside of what we have discussed, what else do you feel like people need to know about you to get a complete picture of who Pascal is? Is there anything that we missed on the podcast? Mm, complete picture? I, I, I don't know. I'm still figuring out myself. Hmm. I'll say I 
Pascal is trying her best every day. And so I like that. She she has no regrets. That's Pascal. She's no regrets. <laughs> hey, no regrets. I love it. Um, if I'm listening to this episode, I've gotten to know a lot about you as a person, as a creative, as a poet, all caps. So aggressive. <laughs> Uh, how can I engage with you outside of this episode? What are some ways that people can support you, support Young, Gifted, and Black? Where can they find Young, Gifted, and Black? Um, you can find Young, Gifted, and Black on Instagram on Instagram at Y-U-N-G-I-F-T-E-D-B-L-A-C-K. Um, okay. And you can support Young, Gifted, and Black by just showing up. If you're a student mm-hmm. or if you're not, we've had non-students pull up to open mics before and it's very much appreciated but definitely not required um but yeah just showing up that's all we really need everything else is taken care of so we just want to see the lovely faces hey i heard that um just kind of random question that came up as you were plugging that how many different variations of young gifted and black did you have to kind of think through before getting the ig name Oh God! So I actually I wanted it to just be Young Gifted and Black, but it it was uh, taken, right. and then I had to come <laughs> up with another one taken. I was like, I don't want numbers, I don't want underscores, because I feel like it doesn't look so professional. So I just was like, okay, we'll scrap the U and we'll get rid of a G. And thank God it worked, because I was like, if I got to take out <laughs> any more letters, this is gonna look a mess. So that's where we that's where we ended up. <laughs> I've had somebody coming on before, like, oh, wow, no, oh. And I was like, what you want me to do? You want me to buy the domain? It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Just because when I saw a spot, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, just my marketing brain was like, yeah, there's a, probably a billion variations of Young, Gifted, and Black on social media. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. But we'll make sure to have it in the show notes and they'll have it on the screen so they can make sure they follow the right Young, Gifted, and Black. Um, any shameless plugs, any shout outs, any things you want to manifest on the podcast? Ooh, shameless plug, shout out. Um, shout out Claudette Clark, shout out Black Expression Team, shout out God, shout out Jesus, shout out my family if you're watching this. So um ooh, shout out Calvin Nathan the fourth, and that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the fourth at the end. Um, what are some takeaways that you have from this episode? What are you taking with you from this episode? As well as what do you hope our listeners take away from this episode? Um, If nothing else, I hope they take away uh, a smile. Two friends chopping mm. it up. That's always, that's always something to smile about. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I rock with that. What about you? What are you taking away? Um, getting more comfortable with telling people about myself because like I said I'm very reserved I I don't like opening up a lot um so yeah that's this is definitely new for me but I'm getting used to I'm getting more comfortable with it hey well I said this before we started recording I definitely appreciate you taking the leap of faith to be on a podcast you were nervous to talk about yourself we've been chopping it up for an hour and a half already and it's just like you said it's two friends kicking on a podcast before we close out i like to close out each episode by asking for recommendations uh this can be in the form of books podcasts movies and or songs but any recommendation 
uh, for our listeners, either a recommendation that lets them know more about who you are or just something you're like, yeah, this is good. People need to check it out. Ooh, you said movie, music, song, whatever? Yeah, whatever you want at the end of the day, but books, podcasts, movies, songs, just some piece of content that you feel people should engage with. Hmm. My teacher gave me this book called How to Be Black, and it's so funny so far. I haven't finished it, <laughs> but it's really funny, and I would recommend that. Um, music, uh, what have I been listening to? I've been listening to a lot of soul, which is definitely one of my favorite genres. So right now I would say Cry of a Dreamer by The Silvers, uh, Let Me Ride by Windy City, and Let Us Pray by The Gospel Clouds. And that's all I got, I think. Uh, I don't really be watching movies the way I, sh I feel like I should. So, yeah. Hey, those recommendations work for me. Uh, listeners, we promised five-star content at the Banquet Hall. Pascal gave y'all five-star content. Make sure y'all leave a five-star rating on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're taking a listen. Make sure y'all follow the podcast at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, share it with a friend. Let them know what you heard. Let them know what you learned. Uh, pass along to someone who else could get inspired by this podcast, whether they're an up-and-coming artist, a performer, whether they're just trying to get in their bag, whether they're trying to establish a student org at the community college. I think there's a lot that people can take away from this episode. Uh, Pascal will return on the podcast in the future, whether it's in the form of the Passenger Seat Chronicles um, name TBD. Um, <laughs> after she transfers to Spellman, we're going to get her back on the podcast. We're going to manifest all that for her. But uh, very thankful to have had you on this podcast. I enjoyed chatting with you for the last hour and a half. Definitely got to know a lot more about who you are as a person. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'll pass the mic over to you for the closing words to close us out. Anything you want to say before we stop the recording? Hey, okay. This is a lot of pressure. Hmm. What you built for it, though? Am I, though? Um, maybe I'll revert back to my British accent. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Much love, peace, and blessings. And we are signing out. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I, I think it works. I think it works too. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean. I know what you mean.